Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, The Last Nighters. And Last Nighters can be found on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. This is episode 112 of the show. We're talking about Batman 1989 and maybe a little bit of uh, Batman Returns in here with our friend from Adelaide, Australia, Shaheen. We'll introduce him in just a second. Uh, but it's hard to believe it's been over 30 years since this film kind of reignited the comic book genre. And uh, it should be a fun discussion tonight. Uh, ways you can support the show. You can share this around with your friends, uh, YouTube videos, subscribe to us, give us some likes, some shares, all that stuff. You can also challenge us, give us some uh, questions on our old Facebook page or uh, you know any, anything you got. Um, we also have a Patreon, which you can access at lastnighter.com slash Patreon and get bonus content in exchange for federal uh, reserve notes, fiat currency. We, we still accept that, at least for the time being. Uh, of course, you can send us physical gold if you've got it and you're willing to part with it. Um, and I don't know, Robert, are you, uh, are you accepting Bitcoin? I am not at this point. You just reject it out of hand. You wouldn't take it if someone, some, some dirty bum handed it to you on the street. You'd be like, no gracias. I wouldn't know what to do with it because I don't have a wallet or anything like that. So perhaps I'm just showing my old curmudgeon ways. I'm a grumpy old man. So I don't know how to actually accept it or, uh, utilize it in any fashion. So yeah, I would probably have to turn it down in exchange for, or in preference to the fiat, which I do know how to use and spend uh liberally so to speak disgusting luddite you disgust me you still ride on a horse and buggy to work i do smoke signals to is that what we're doing this is one of the smoke signal podcasts well i'm sending a signal there's a bat signal behind me and uh, that can mean only one thing is that is that shaheen's music it is it's shaheen all the way from Adelaide. He's been on the show many times in the past talking about batman talking about superman all things dc EU. And uh, we do appreciate you coming back on. Uh, Shaheen, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and remind them uh, where they can find what you do. And then we will kick off the uh, discussion of Batman 89. Hey guys, well, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Shaheen and I do like, I come along for, for, for all the Batman episodes. That's kind of my niche. And yeah, you can just find me on Twitter. I mean, it'll be in the show notes page, I trust. That is correct, sir. This will be in the uh, show notes page, and that can be found at lastnighters.com slash 112 or 112, as this is the 112th show of the Last Nighters. Uh, also found on the Launchpad Media, also found on Patreon at uh, lastnighters.com slash Patreon, where you can get uh, you know the bonus content in exchange for those fiat dollars we were talking about earlier, or you know gold dust, gold bits, uh, but not bitcoins. Yeah, so I think I've confused everybody now. And so why don't we go to Google and figure out how to get around the uh, confusion here, all right? So this is the Google description, how we start off the show. Uh, Batman came out in 1989, crime and action film, two hours and six minutes, 7.5 IMDb, 72% Rotten Tomatoes, two out of four from Roger Ebert, 91% of Google users like it. This is directed by Tim Burton, of course. Uh, description reads, having witnessed his parents' brutal murder as a child, millionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne, played by Michael Keaton, fights crime in Gotham City disguised as Batman, a costume hero who strikes fear into the hearts of villains. But when a deformed madman who calls himself the Joker, played by Jack Nicholson, seizes control of Gotham's criminal underworld, Batman must face his most, most ruthless nemesis ever while protecting both his identity and his love interest, reporter Vicky Vale, played by the lovely Kim Bassinger. And this came out in uh, June 23rd, 1989, director Tim Burton. The featured song is the Batman theme uh, by Danny Elfman. And uh, also features songs by Prince, uh, awkwardly placed throughout the film. Box office of $411.5 million on a budget of $35 million, and probably on about $411.5 million Happy Meals. Uh, Robert, 
your take on this commercial success with all of the product tie-ins? And then we'll go to uh, Shaheen. Well, this is one of the big movies of my childhood. I remember being about, well, I was like 13 years old when this came out. And it was kind of a big deal, me being a big comic book nerd. Um, Jack Nicholson's performance, to actually get a, a, an actor of the, the level of quality of Jack Nicholson. I mean, he only did the movie with a bunch of guaranteed money and then a bunch of back-end money. So he got like a percentage deal. So he ended up getting like, I don't know, over $25 million for this film. And kind of top, top billing uh, was a requirement as well. Right. So, I mean, Keaton, at that point, he had done like Mr. Mom. He'd done multiple, I don't know about multiplicity, but he'd done some, some lower level stuff. He was perfectly an established actor, but he wasn't quite to the level of a Nicholson who had done so many great things in the 70s. But you definitely see, and this is also kind of, I guess, the breakout for Tim Burton. I don't remember a whole lot of stuff he did before this, if anything. He was a young like film studenty guy. Yeah, I guess off the back of Beetlejuice, I suppose. It kind of bankrolled him into Batman. Um, I don't know how you get Batman from Beetlejuice, but I guess if anybody could make a comic book movie, they're like, whatever. We don't know how to do it. Give it to this guy. But you definitely see um, Cesar Romero in Nicholson. It, it, his performance is almost like exactly what you would expect it to be. So it's not really surprising you, but he does a, a solid performance. Like if you take the influence of Cesar Romero, you give it to Jack Nicholson, because that's all there really was before that, right? It was just Cesar Romero and then the comic books. And then you have, you know, the director. What's his name? Why did I just forget his name? Burton. Burton's directing. And yeah, you get you get exactly what you would expect with this film. Um, it has that kind of dreamlike quality. Like there are all these manufactured sets, right? That's how he did them. Kind of like it feels like a Terry Gilliam film. It has this kind of like otherworldly dreamlike quality where it's like not quite real, but sort of real. It's... At the time, it was great. At the time, it was all we had. And it was like this breakout thing that everybody went and saw. Like even normal, normal people like went and saw this film. But since then, since then, we've had so much better, so much improved things, improved performances that I think this, this, this movie is starting to lose a little bit of its luster. It's still all decent, right. but I don't know. It just doesn't quite level up to hold up to uh, scrutiny after so much better stuff has come out. Maybe if we hadn't had you know, the renaissance of comic book stuff that we've had lately, um, it would, I'd have a better view of it, but it's, it's kind of quaint and quirky and it has its own vibe to it, but I don't think that anybody would seriously do it today. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a strong opening uh, statement. I think that uh, we're going to have some contention on this one with Shaheen, who is our DCE, you guy. Uh, my, my take on your aesthetic uh, interpretation of it looking like a Gilliam film or uh, like a dark city. I think you're right. Um, I see a lot of Brazil in this. There were a lot of actual sets that were created, but then there's also a lot of uh, like green screen effects to make this kind of dystopian nightmare background. Um, and then also the um, the gadgetry and the the all the little uh, models, you can actually tell they're models, which is kind of quaint in a way looking back on it now. I mean, back in the in the day when this came out, yeah, you're right. It was like cutting edge and looking very awesome on screen, but I don't think it's aged very well. And I was just thinking, you know, what's another film that came out uh, a few years around this that might have a different uh, <laughs> amount of holding up to today. And I was thinking T2, like T2 still looks amazing. And it's just a few years after this, but I think that was part of Burton's aesthetic was the kind of steampunk, but real things like real physical things in there and not so much of the computery stuff. Like T2 was all, you know, the silvery or, you know, the the morphing was like all computer, computer stuff. But I think For it holds sure. up. 
pretty well. You think right. Batman holds up or T2 holds up? T2. T2 yeah. holds up far better. It looks, it looks well more contemporary uh, than Batman does. Batman looks dated. Yeah, you could put T2 next to a modern movie and it wouldn't look that bad in comparison, for sure. Right. Whereas okay. Batman, you put Batman next to anything and it's looking pretty old. Right. It, and it does look like Brazil or it looks like uh, Dark City or something like that. And it, it feels like it's of that period. Definitely. All right. So, Shaheen, these are fighting words. Uh, let's get your take on the Google description and, and how two knuckleheads here have run our mouths about how this is dated. Right. Well, the uh, the Google um, description does seem to be pretty accurate, especially compared to all the other films, especially compared to Batman v Superman. I think, well, what was that about? It was like, Batman has to do this or some shit like that. But yeah, I do agree. It does look a bit dated. But I think that's part of the um, just part of the charm of the film at this point is it, it is an old movie and it is Burton's you know dark dystopian aesthetics and that whole just gothic look like it's something it's like a live action version of the same kind of world as you know Jack Skellington and or and the Corpse Bride I definitely see that with like all the different characters the aesthetics the type of town all the smoke and stuff like it definitely feels like a completely different town from um, let's say The Dark Knight that looked a lot more real. Whereas this is like a, a half real, half dark fantasy sort of a town, which I actually really like. Yeah, there's a lot of gothic kind of gargoyles and faces built into things, especially in Batman Returns, which I watched part of. You can see faces in the architecture all over the place in that one. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be meaningful in some way, but it, it really stood out to me. I, don't, I didn't notice as much in Batman 89, but perhaps if I were to rewatch it again, maybe I would see that. But um, Shaheen, let's set the scene a little bit because. Part of the initial take on this was that this was really dark. People were expecting something a lot lighter because, I mean, set the scene. The last time we see Batman and Joker on screen, it's Winston Cesar Romero. And, you know, surfing with sharks, with which, uh, you know, Fonzie later jumped and getting sprayed with anti-shark repellent while hanging from a helicopter. And then we've got uh, the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And we've got Mr. Mom as Batman. I mean, this does not look like it's going to be a good thing. Uh, and I think that... In reading, you know, some of the uh, initial re reactions to the announcements of the film coming out, that people were concerned about this, and then when they saw it, they were concerned that it was really dark. But it actually turned mm -hmm. out to kind of inspire comic book films to become take that darker turn and, and have a little bit more depth depth to them than we've had before. I mean, before this was like shit like Flash Gordon and mm -hmm. some of the you know Superman. Chris Reeve Supermans, which they weren't like super campy, not like the Batman movie series, but uh, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, what do you think going into this, what people were expecting mm. then versus what they got? Um, well, the thing is, about three years before this came out is when the comic book of, you remember Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller old Batman story? That's when that came out, and that's pretty much the first really dark Batman story. And that kind of set the scene for this. A lot more people were, all the big Batman fans were kind of getting accustomed to the more darker stories, like in the late 80s. And yeah, I do know think i read somewhere on twitter that uh, a lot of people were very um just pissed off that michael keaton was cast which i think he did a great job but yeah i guess if he's not really established and he's kind of i think batman is kind of what established him at that point and kind of just took him real high i mean yeah i could I guess see some people were just some people were just i remember like, that i don't want beetlejuice to be batman yeah i remember that vividly that there are a lot of complaints that keaton didn't have the physicality or the seriousness to pull off a of bruce wayne Kind of similar with Pattinson, you know, mm. currently being the new Batman. Like, what has he done? Like, Twilight. It's like, well, 
Okay. He's done he um, good times as well in The Lighthouse. But people mostly know him from Twilight. I only knew him from Twilight. I was like, I don't want a sparkly vampire Batman. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, vampire Batman doesn't sound too good, but we'll see. I didn't think Affleck was going to be a good Batman, and I was right. Though I think, <laughs> Shane, you like him as, uh, as Batman. Injusticely, he was shit. But then again, that whole movie was shit, sir. No argument here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've already duked it out on that one. And then uh, we also did do the Batman Returns or Dark Knight Returns uh, with you a couple of uh, months back. So we'll post all that on the show notes page, of course. Lastnards.com slash 112. Uh, now, there was something I was going to um, ask about. Oh, yeah. So So back to Michael Keaton. I think that he was an established actor, but he was known for comedy. Uh, and, and this kind of put him over the top into like being an actual star. But he didn't get paid very much for this movie in comparison to, say, Jack Nicholson. But I guess um, because Burton had worked with Keaton a couple of times before, including Beetlejuice and then this, in Batman Returns, he made sure that he got Keaton again because people were like kind of iffy on whether it was going to be him coming back or not. They were considering other actors. And they made sure that um, Burton made sure that Keaton got paid like 10 or $11 million to come back. So he kind of got his payday a little bit later. Uh, it seemed like maybe a loyalty bonus or something like that. But in the scenes where you know he's the Bruce Wayne character, I I I buy it totally. When he's dressed up in the bat suit and he's kind of like sort of awkwardly jogging along uh, and and trying to do the physicality yeah. stuff, it looks kind of ridiculous. He can't, he can't move. He can't move his neck. He's like, yeah. You see, there's a scene where he has to look up and he goes like. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Now, yeah, just, that, the old Batman suit technology is really showing its age in this film. I know they've gotten better with it, right? But the first ones, they, mm-hmm. yeah, they couldn't. It's just a big, what is it, like a foam vinyl rubber, cowl. rubber thing? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's just a solid piece of material. You can't really do anything with. With modern, modern with a uh, a lot of R and D, now he can move his neck. So we've come a long way. We've come a long way. But if you're a crime fighter out there, having to look around at things, you probably want to be able to move your neck. Yeah, yeah, probably probably a positive. So I didn't see a whole lot of um, Batman being a badass or being very sleuthy or detectively in this one. I didn't see a whole lot of uh, concrete story. I didn't understand really why things were happening. Uh oh, Daniel's you got know, some plot criticisms here, people. Well, yeah. Uh, well, the Joker—he's just a crazy man, right? So he can do whatever he wants. Right. And he blames they're, they're, it's just lazy screenwriters get out of jail free card. Yeah, and he blames Batman for being. Uh, Having caused taking his screen time. And, and also for taking his screen time. Because something about the Joker is he really wants to, um, like in the comics as well, he wants to get recognition and he wants people to remember him and get the attention from everyone. And when Batman's like on the front page of the newspapers and all the news reports are talking about Batman, not him, that kind of makes him angry. And so the whole reason he was having that big parade was to get everyone's attention away from Batman and onto him. Right. He was like, yeah. I'm going to give away millions of dollars. Everyone calm down. And and this was, uh, was this the one where they were going to have the 200th anniversary and they were like bankrupt and they yeah. were like, I don't care if we don't have money. We're still going to have this celebration because we want to appear like we're in, you know, good shape and all this stuff. So I guess he took that opportunity to get, get people down there or whatever. Now, this is a, this is a scene where the Prince song just fell flat for me. It seemed very awkward. Like it wasn't, I know Prince is like a godlike, you know, musician. People really love him. I never really got into him. The songs in this film didn't do it for me. What? They, you didn't like the bat dance song? The bat dance when they're doing the parade thing. Yeah, it just Jack Damn. Nicholson's trying oh, to dance to this stuff and it just doesn't oh. have a hook to it. I mean, there's no there's nothing to dance to. You know, it just seems really weird. 
it's definitely out of place. That's for sure. The Danny Elfman, I would say the, the soundtrack song theme fits the tone. But yeah, the, the Prince music doesn't necessarily fit the tone. I'm surprised. I don't know if it was like a studio decision or if this is a Burton decision, but I it, it seems out of place. You're right. I mean, yeah. it's kind of when it, when he does, when it is playing, it, it he is going for that crazy wild atmosphere when the in the, in the parade. But it is contrary to the rest of the event. At least at least it's when Joker's on screen. It's not like when Batman's like, you know, coming down the street or something. Right. Sure. And and I guess uh, well, I am. I am. My brain just kind of filters that kind of awkward stuff just out. Like I see it in the nurse and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, forget it. Back to the plot. Or like back to Batman coming down with a Batwing. So like, yeah, it's like yeah. I just didn't even realize about. I I only reckon I I only remembered it now that you mentioned it. Like otherwise, a lot of the scenes I just forget. They don't really mean that much. I didn't remember there was a Prince song. Yeah, yeah, he, that was, did the soundtrack. I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was a big deal back then. Now Help speaking of Elfman. Elfman, of course, is you know well known now. He did the Simpsons theme, and of course, Batman, and, and multitudes of movies since then. But back Batman. when he was tabbed to do this, he was relatively unknown, or un, he was an unknown quantity in some ways. So he, um, there was pushback on whether he was going to be able to do the theme music for this or not, and it, you know, obviously he he did a great job because it's iconic. I think that this is the Batman theme you think of uh, when you're not thinking of the. Uh, the campy uh tv series so this is the this is batman theme now well yeah it's very similar is it it, do you know shaheen is it the exact same theme as the animated series or is it just similar very very similar yeah like 90 95 similar that was a little bit different but yeah yeah because that's the iconic (laughs) batman theme to me maybe i've probably watched more animated series than i have movies and that along with like kevin conroy's voice as i got this bad boy right here yeah, that's the yep, one. The right Blu-ray. There. The yeah. complete. There you go. Been binging that as well. Yes, that'll be our next episode. Uh, the entire on, series? No, like, about <laughs> the animated series, the whole thing. Oh, nice. But that was really well done. I'm sure that's a lot of people are, are yeah. familiar with the animated series if they know Batman, if they grew up when we grew up, or even slightly afterwards. It's still popular. To e- even when I grew up, it was there. We got Batman Beyond as well, Justice League, a lot of good shit. Yeah. DC's got a lot of good animated series stuff. I think superior to Marvel stuff. Marvel has animated stuff? Yeah, they got some. Not a lot, but some. But it's just so forgettable. It's it's no. like whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not as strong. Some, some of the Spider-Mans are pretty good. Like the old uh, cartoons from like 90s and early 2000s. I watched a bunch of them as a kid. Yeah, yeah I remember watching some Spider-Man. There's some 80s uh, Spider-Man too. I remember those. I remember liking them. Well, I remember I the to. old 70s. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Oh, that must be whatever Spider-Man spins yeah. away. And he's uh, catches these just like flies. Look out. You, See, you actually remember too. the song. Nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've I watched that many times. Terrible animation. Terrible. The worst animation ever. Short little crappy think, stories. Well, when was it made? Like 67 or something? Yeah, it's way back it's then. It's old. It's in the 60s. Yeah. Okay. I actually had one of the little Spider-Man like dolls. And, and I mean, you could take the spider suit off. Not, not that I did this like purposefully to be weird. Ooh, nice. But yeah. it's like a Ken doll just with a spider head. Oh, geez. You must have been disappointed. Yeah, don't ask me how I know that Kendall's like or anything like that. But <laughs> um, let's go back to the, the parade thing just real quick, because I wanted to make a point about how governments are willing to do deficit spending, blow the budgets, yeah. no matter yeah. what, just for the appearance of doing something. And uh-huh. I just thought this would be a point that, uh, Robert, you could tee off on for a moment and then, you know, we can pile on. Well, sure. You're talking about government officials that are only there temporarily, right? So they're there to get in and get out. They're not 
really concerned too much with the long-term health of any given society. I mean, sure, they'll pay lip service, but they're basically in there to loot and move on because they're only going to be there for a few years. So what do they care? They don't have any long-term skin in the game in terms of the health of anything. I would say government contributes to the health. It sucks away from it. But, you know, the, uh, the sales pitch is that government helps regulate the society and that sort of thing. Another thing I wanted to talk about, thank you very much, because how did the Joker manage to get his products into the, the, the supply, um, you know, with, with what the FDA, isn't the FDA protecting the citizens of Gotham, but they must not have the FDA that in this, in the DC cinematic universe. All right, let's not poke holes, Robert. The plot is a little bit flimsy. You know, what are you talking about the FDA is going to protect those people from those products. There's tainted He's products. Get, get, get the right amount in the right, uh, different products. And so only certain combinations are going to make people sick and, and have the, uh, smile. Right. It right. is a pretty smart fiendish plan though. You got to hand it to the Joker on this one. It's pretty good. You only mix certain products together and then it has bad effects. Otherwise it's like, indistinguishable from the normal product yeah so i had a question the um the news anchors this is really kind of shown on you know they look all done up and everything and then that one lady dies and then later on you see the news anchors and they're all like disheveled and have like sores and, and whatnot on their faces is that because they're no longer using beauty products and makeup, products? yeah i think that's the thing they okay. just stopped using any makeup so it's not like they're getting some minor reaction to some of the altered um products yeah. they were just no longer yeah. using yeah, that's there, I think there, there was nothing. There's not nothing said about it, so I always assumed it was because they just stopped wearing makeup. It was just an exaggerated attempt to show that they're just not wearing any makeup right now. That's just the state of things. Okay, all mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess Batman does do some detective sleuthing by figuring out this combination, though we don't see him really working it out. There's not that um, Sherlock moment. No, but we do know that Batman in this universe is a total perv. He's got all kinds of cameras all over his mansion, spying on all his guests, talking about whatever they're talking about. All right, because this is when he can go back and play the uh, conversation that Commissioner Gordon had with one of the guys to go mm -hmm. to the cool. chemical plant. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. What do you think about that, Daniel? You're going to record all your all your guests in your home? Feel totally cool with that? I mean, we sort of touched on this a little bit back in uh, the... Royale, the El Royale movie. We, yeah, yeah, we mentioned it. It's, 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 it happens from time to time. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's your property. You can kind of do that, but also there's a reasonable expectation that you're not going to record everyone's every move, especially at that level of detail where you can get, like, everything they said, NSA style, like prism, yeah. everything, and then, I don't know. It, that's it's a recurring theme of Batman movies, right? The, the Dark Knight, that's him making... He has the power to spy on everybody in Gotham. In this movie, he's just doing it to people that come to his house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe that in, in The Dark Knight is a callback to this a little bit, but on a on a broader scale. Maybe it's to address mm. this because Alfred does bring it up in Dark Knight. And in this one, Alfred does the unthinkable. He brings a woman to the bat lair. He's the worst. Alfred's just the worst. He cannot keep a secret. Just because he thinks Bruce is lonely, he's like, yeah, this whole secret thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and, and he's really pushing Bruce on this woman he had a one-night stand with. I mean, yeah, it seemed a little... He's a fast mover, that Alfred. Come on, man. Batman's going to get some tail. It's what's going to happen. You can't be throwing all these women at him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. If I was a guest at the Wayne Manor, even if it was like this swanky party, and I found out that there were just like cameras all over the place recording my every move, I'd feel a little bit violated. I, clearly, he has a right to do whatever he wants with his property. I probably just wouldn't go back there. I wouldn't like sue him or anything. Socially, 
but yeah, it's like, like it's a not legally wrong. It's like a social. Etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you're gonna do this shit, I'm not gonna be a friend anymore. So that. Yeah, and it's not like they were just surveillance cameras, like security-wise. Like, oh, if somebody breaks something or steals something, I want to be able to go back and you know see who did it's it. Got, like telescopic mics and stuff, like zooming. Right. You know, people are talking about. Yeah, this is like prying. Uh, mm-hmm. in a private conversation i mean this is like a a to b and then here's c intercepting so yeah, yeah. It, it feels a little little beyond the pale <coughs> i mean he's doing it in response to alfred telling him that something's going on but still he's recording it the whole time just in case and i so guess he go and perv I on guess, people um in a way if you think about it, he only does use it for like crime related stuff and since it's batman we know he actually only only does use it for that as opposed to the nsa who knows if god knows what Right. He's not going to be selling your data or coming after you because you're like avoided taxes or some shit. But he only, he only looks to it in response to yeah, Gordon having to go. I don't know. Maybe he deletes everything after like a few days or like a week. Is how the hell is he going to like keep recording everything and storing it? Can you imagine how many videotape cassettes he's got in that cave? Just yeah. load yeah, it the, up. The contraptions he'd be playing it on, you know, Tim Burton esque like <laughs> Rube Goldberg machines, <laughs> Jack Skellington, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing that stood out to me was how when he's flying in the Batwing, he's just kind of aimlessly flying around for whatever reason. Just doesn't seem to be a reason. And then he just happens to have this balloon catching hook thing because the Joker just happens to have these Macy's Day parades with Smilex in them. He's he's freaking Johnny on the spot, Cub Scout, Boy Scout guy. He's coming prepared. I'm glad he's prepared. Yeah, prepared. Yes. Shock spray, balloon mm-hmm. catches. What's next? And rehydrate just, just not a move you know. just not not a movable neck that's the only thing yeah he'll, he'll get to that later and then uh we see the the confrontation where the batwing is flying down towards the joker misses him with these gatling guns and rockets and everything and, well and has got a freaking like target lock on him you know he's not doing the skywalker you know trench run shot here <laughs> yeah he's shooting like a fucking stormtrooper mm-hmm. and uh then joker just stands there because he's not afraid because he's like, well, I know that he's not going to hit me with all this like advanced weaponry with targeted systems and shit. And he pulls out this, you know, super long pistol, fires one shot, takes him out. Crashes yeah, why did out. he? Why did he build the Batmobile to withstand like a million bullets, but the Batwing to withstand zero bullets? I mean, that that gun, all that barrel does is improve his accuracy, which I don't even know because he was holding it back down at the handle, so it's still swabbling around. But. It wasn't like a huge caliber weapon, but still, I mean, it's a Joker weapon. Who cares? Yeah, but I, I thought that was confrontation was funny because then they do it later in uh, Dark Knight again, where <laughs> Heath Ledger mm-hmm. like egging him on, and mm-hmm. uh, Batman like does a I don't know, tries to avoid killing him. Adam. Yeah, just kind of uh, e brake slide or whatever, or crashes his uh, is it the bat bike he had in that one. I forget. Yeah, the old bat cycle. Bat yeah, yeah, the pod. Uh, but so then. Then uh, Joker takes uh, Vicky Vale up 900 Shocking. feet of uh, stairwell up some. And he's not even out of breath for for whatever reason. Like, what was Joker's plan here? Well, he's doing a lot of CrossFit in order to get up those stairs and just be not even breathing hard. But Vicky Vale is nothing to Batman as far as Joker knows. And Joker was giving away this money, trying to kill everyone with the Smilex. Batman foils the plot, gets the balloons out there with his balloon snipper. But shouldn't Joker, like, now he shot down the Batman, Batwing. Batman appears to be missing or dead. He's, like, hiding under some rubble. So why is Joker, what's he doing? Why does he just leave or go continue his plot? Why does he need to go up this thing taller than the Sears Tower to get a helicopter ride 
You I need have- to stop thinking about this finale. You got to get all up off the writer's back about that. This can, yeah. you know, it can't always make sense. All right. This is the Joker. He does what he wants. You know what it is? We've got to get the cats in the Belfry payoff. That's what we got to get. That line. That line's got to get into the film, so we got to get into a Belfry. Yeah. That's fair. And Dancing with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight. All that good stuff. Right. Which The reason he took Vicky, though, was because Jerkashi liked that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had given up on uh, Jerry Hall. Was that her name? uh, Who that was? Alicia. Yeah, yeah. Alicia, who was the crime... Jack Palance's uh, girl, who was cheating on him with with uh nicholson yeah yeah why is jack nicholson jack in like every movie he's jack he doesn't have to learn a new character name <laughs> he's so good at like being an actor but he can't not be called jack it's crazy <laughs> the guy's the guy's been able to have a, a fantastic career still getting to be called jack in every movie leave him alone he's a genius <laughs> hey i'm just gonna be me and do my thing i am actually crazy you know give me top billing and all the money yeah yeah, that's something like I Good noticed. Watching Return, Danny DeVito looks like him as him as Penguin is a completely new character. Like I can't imagine Danny DeVito being the Penguin, whereas Jack Nicholson, I can like he's still being Jack Nicholson when he's Joker. Like he's no different. He's still Jack Nicholson. He yeah. legit is just being himself. I mean, he's 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 doing his impression of himself and Cesar Romero. But yeah, I, I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's still really good. Don't get me wrong, but it's just a fun little anecdote. It's very much comic booky. It's very much over the top, either off or on. It's not so much nuanced like a Heath Ledger. You know yep. what I'm saying? Okay, so yeah. you guys want to talk about the one issue of fuzzy morality that I yeah, saw? Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Uh, after that, I want to ask you about Bob, Robert. But let's go. With, about killing uh, Bob? Well, he was incompetant. Of course, Joker has to kill him. He didn't know about the, the Batwing, so he's got to die, clearly. Anyway, so... The one issue of fuzzy morality that I saw is Batman driving into the Axis chemical plant, drops a bomb and blows up the entire mm-hmm. building with every single employee dead inside it. It sure seemed to me like, yeah, they're all Joker guys. And yeah, that plant was producing chemicals that were poisoning and killing people. But people were buying those products. Yeah, they were buying them under pretenses of fraud. But did it was it a proportionality issue or was this entirely justified for him to just go in and then murder everybody in that building? Because when he breaks in, they're essentially defending their property by shooting ineffectually dumb little bullets at the Batmobile that aren't doing anything because it's not the Batwing. But then he just drops a bomb and then the whole place explodes. So I take some kind of issue. I mean, what about the secretary just doing her job? What about the the janitors that are just cleaning up the trash? I, 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 I kind of feel bad because he's like murdering a whole lot of people and pretty indiscriminately. So I can't, I don't know if, if Batman's the perfect moral character in, in this scene. So you're making the uh, Death Star under construction argument from Clerks. Somewhat, somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Because um, yeah, it's it's gradations. Like, yeah, the guys that are working at the Axis plant are responsible in part for poisoning people. Um, but does that mean that they all just need to be instantly judged, juried, and executed by Batman in this one scene? I uh, it seems a little bit much to me. I would want to. I would be want to be more nuanced in my in my justice. Not that I'm fully for some bureaucratic uh, justice system either. But you know what I'm saying. What do you do? You do you think it's totally clean in this scene? You're you're totally rooting for Batman the whole way through. Um, not really. Like um, I do understand. I think look, the movie does imply. That pretty much everyone in that building is a bad guy. 
Like that's, yeah, sure. It's not the real world. Like in the real world, yeah, there'd be janitors, secretaries, people forced to be there against their will, employees that have no idea what's going on, and some joker thugs. But I think for the sake of the scene and the movie and the kind of black and white morality of like superhero movies, especially back then, it would be fair to imply that pretty much everyone in that building is a bad guy. And Batman knows that. Um, and I guess, yeah, sure, they're defending their their property, but they, they just took over that building, Joker's gang. So it wasn't really theirs to begin with. And at the same time, they were doing something that was murdering a lot of people and killing a lot of people. So well, Wait a minute, though. Wasn't it? Wasn't the building owned by the Jack Palance character? And then when he kills Jack Palance, he takes over the whole positions of the gangs and whatnots? Yeah, and the, it's illegally taken because he got it through murder. He just killed the guy and took it from him. And everything's wrong with you, isn't it, Shane? Killing people, poisoning people. Is there no end to this list of things that are wrong? I'm just keeping up the pretense. Just All right. wait for the after show. Just, just agree and let's go. <laughs> we, we can, we'll get to that later on. Don't worry. Got a good All plan. Right, good. Good. Because I got so, a, I got a, I got an evil chemical plant that uh, I need to start feeling better about it. right now. Access chemicals. Nice. Well, wasn't don't worry. We, we weren't, we weren't bomb it. Okay, good. Thank you. Now, wasn't it like not necessarily poisoning people until Joker put them up to it? So sure. They already had this chemical plant and yeah, it made chemicals not necessarily for nefarious things. Perhaps it was some kind of a cover for their bad operation. Like yeah, it was like a mob print, but they currently obviously had contracts to produce products for multiple brands that cool. distributed all throughout Gotham City. So yeah, I mean, you're talking like normal, just like regular chemists going to the job, thinking he's making shampoo. And then then the Joker shows up and he's like, now you're making evil shit. Yeah, I, I don't think you can kill that guy. Yeah, and, yeah. and to, to yeah, yeah. point, it, it seemed as if it was all militants in there at the time of Batman attacking it. They only showed the militants, but come on. Yeah, so perhaps like uh, the, I think it's the, an, the good it's people left. It's an implication that there weren't any good people. All the chemists working there were like part-time chemists, part-time militants. That's kind of the implication. <laughs> uh, that's the implication I've always got watching it, that when Joker takes over the place, it's all his gang and his thugs that run the place. They kick out all the you know normal workers um maybe they're scared that something will get out so they've seized they the means of production here they yeah. have they have seized the means of production and, for sure. and now they're doing population control so they're fighting a good fight really they're a bunch of environmentalists yeah. really that's a good the real good guys the real See? heroes See? yeah so perhaps Fucking... this is a, a tim burton failing but in watching the film it didn't make sense to me why batman was going here but now upon reflection it's like okay he's discovered that the chemicals that are adulterating these products are coming from this one place. So he's going to go blow it up. Th also thinking that Joker's there. I, th I think, cause he sees Joker. Yeah, he sees the helicopter leaving. Right. Yeah. So, so, so he, he doesn't know everybody who's in there or isn't in there. He doesn't have omniscient knowledge about the secretary playing with her kid on the second floor. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. This Batman's a bit, bit nuts. He's a bit boomer. It's well, this fun. is also a Batman who actually does kill people because prior to this, he's known for not killing people, right? Like that's, that's right. Thing. And not and not using guns, but he's got machine guns on the Batmobile and the the Batwing. Right. So so maybe that's another chalk in the column for it being dark, at least in the perception of people at the time. Because the Batman coming into this, of course, was you know the old one and the comic book. Who other than in Batman Return or the Dark Knight Returns, and I think the Killing Joke came out um, right before this too, right? At least it's a graphic novel. Yeah, I think in '89. Yeah. 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 Okay. But this is like the the leading edge of of Batman actually killing people and going a, a little bit against canon. But Kane's involved with this. He's like a he's given a 
maybe a producer credit or a created by, and he's like a consultant. He's got that little cameo. Yeah. The, 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 the picture, sketch. the bat, the bat sketch. Yep. It's like, there's in the corner, it says Bob Kane on it, which oh. that's probably not Bob Kane as an actor there, but of course, but he gets the, this little appearance there. Of course, Bill yeah, Finger, like if you look, he gets fucked over. There's no, there's no talk yeah. about Bill Finger, but that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Batman v Superman was the first movie to formally recognize Bill Finger as, as a co-creator as well. Kudos to that. Indeed. It's so weird to think that in 89, you know, Bob Kane was still around because I was a kid back then. So like, he seemed like, oh, Batman's been around for 40 years. I'm sure whoever has been involved in the creation and, and making of this stuff is, is long gone. And now it's been another 30 years. Yeah, I don't uh, know when Bob Kane died. He might have been, like been an old man. Off, like between 95 and 97, I think. So the Val Kilmer movie or uh, the George Clooney yeah. movie finally did him in? 98 no, I, is when he died. I it think says. it was between those. Okay, so it was after the Clooney one. Yeah, 90s. Okay, yeah. Can we talk but about... If, if you look at like the old like the old Bob Kane and Bill Finger, like from the thir- from 39 and 40, like before the comics code came in, um, Batman did kill. He always used to say like a fitting end for his kind or like he like as a guy looking out the window, he jumps down and like smashes his neck with his with his foot, just kicks his neck and breaks it. And then oh. he... He hangs yeah. someone from a from from the from the Batwing just from his neck, and he just said, "Oh, it's better off this way, or a fitting end for his kind." So he didn't like go out of his way to murder everyone, but he did kill here and there, and was, until the comics code came in, and then no heroes killed ever, and all the bad guys who ever died. I think there was a rule, there was a law that any hero that any any bad guy that dies has to die because of their own actions. Mm. And, yeah, and you then, see that a lot in old stuff for sure. And then a, a lot of that stuff kind of just stuck like with a not killing and then just became part of the character's canon. Okay. So, so old Batman is like Rorschach from Watchmen. Yeah. Probably a little less brutal, but yeah, more or less from 39 and 40. I think a bit after that, like, like still early on the golden age or maybe early silver age. That's when the new rules came in. But like the very first few issues, when you see him in proper brutality, the only problem I have with Batman being a killer, and I really don't like, I've, I've mentioned this before. I don't have a problem with different directors having different takes of different characters for sure do what you have a vision of. That's fine. I, I appreciate the Marvel cinematic universe. And it's a single guy with a single vision, trying to tell this massively huge story and breaking up into different pieces with different people that share his vision. But if Batman's a killer, then, and he's just going to kill indiscriminately or any, anytime he thinks he sees a bad guy, or if it really makes sense to kill this guy, then why doesn't he kill the Joker? Like immediately, why doesn't he kill any of his recurring big villain name guys immediately? Clearly, clearly Batman recognizes the Joker is an irredeemable character, constantly breaking out of Arkham, killing more people, killing more people, killing more people endlessly. Why doesn't he kill the Joker if he's going to kill one of the Joker's thugs? In in this version, um, I think the way I think about it is this Batman doesn't go out with the intention to kill. But if like shit gets real, that's when he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll just kill you. Like when someone's throwing him off. Yeah. Yeah, and like when there's a build, then there's a when there's like twenty people just shooting guns at him and in a building, he'll just drop to, the whole building yeah, down it, on him. Yeah, he'll just yeah. Or like if some guy's throwing him down like the cathedral, he'll just grab yeah, him. But and just that's throw not him true down. at all, Shaheen. You know it. He could have had a better plan for the Axis Chemical Plant. He didn't have to go in with the he he went in with the plan of blowing up that whole building because he does it right away. He could have gone I in and done one of the like. You remember that scene in uh, Batman versus Superman? where um, Martha Kent is being held hostage by that gang, mm. and he just goes in and takes them all down. 
Batman just goes in and kicks everybody's ass. And he's like, Martha's not dying tonight. I'm going to go in and clean everybody up. He could have done that to the Ace Chemical Plant. Clearly not in 1989, Batman, when you can't turn his head. But you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I wouldn't have bought it with Michael it. Keaton, but I would buy it with Ben Affleck in that scene. Yeah, he can't yeah, turn left. He's a Zoolander. Uh, fair enough to that. But at the same time, like you said, that he doesn't kill Joker, but kills his thugs. He went in there thinking Joker's there as well. And the next time he's in the Kima, this is a Joker who's only really Joker for like a few weeks or a few days even. He's not, it's not like he's, he goes to Arkham, then escapes and Arkham again. He's like a gangster named Jack who mm -hmm. falls in a vat of acid and becomes Joker, then raises some hell, then dies. And that's, that's the end of Joker forever in that, in that dimension, in that universe. Right, right. There, and after the initial fight, like when he finds out what Joker's doing with all the, um, the laughing things and all the chemicals, he goes in trying to get rid of him, goes in trying to kill him. And then the next time they confront each other is when he tries to gun him down with a Batwing, which extremely long range, boom. Yeah. Batman with a scope couldn't quite pinpoint Joker in his yeah. giant purple bright suit. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. There was a Star Trooper shooting there. Um, movie magic. Let's talk about the climax just a little bit more. So they're yeah. up. They're fighting in the Belfry. There's these various uh, gang member dudes attacking Batman, and Batman is able to defeat them with varying degrees of success and comic relief. But uh, I'm a little bit unsatisfied with how Keaton takes out Joker with the little wonderful toy that he has and the little, um, what is it called? Like a sling where he ties him to a gargoyle. And then apparently Nicholson's been doing the the hand grippy strength stuff because oh, he yeah. with this bat rung. With his <laughs> he could do a Ninja Warrior, no problem. He'd be doing that grip strength test. Yeah, and then he's got the gargoyle, <laughs> however many hundreds of pounds that must weigh. And he's still able to hang on and rip the thing off of the freaking building. Dude, he's a monster. Nicholson's a beast. He was doing all kinds of finger strength uh, exercises before this for the show. Yeah. So, Robert, what would you do in that situation? You got this thing strapped to your leg and you're hanging on to this helicopter. Would you let go of the helicopter because you're tethered to this heavy gargoyle? Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to hurt a little, yeah. but you're not going to die. You'd swing down and you'd probably brain yourself maybe, but you could, at least you could make it so your hands, when you swing back and smack up against the building, you'd... You know, you'd be okay. You'd probably hurt your hands a bit, but you'd be alive. I'd be afraid of this gargoyle breaking, though, like I actually did. <clears throat> yeah, only well, because... if it's a movie gargoyle, then yeah, absolutely. It's only because of his super hand strength, which apparently starts to weaken <laughs> and fail on him. Well, he has to kill himself, right? Oh, so... that's true. Yep. Well, kind of. own doing, or he could have wriggled his way out of that a little bit differently. Batman didn't technically kill him, right? Yep, technically. Yeah, and, and why the helicopter guys, the hel helicopter henchmen didn't like notice something was amiss. I don't and know. Lower the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess I think they just retarded. <laughs> he hired and, oh, oh, and 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 when uh Batman and Vale slip and then Batman tries to save them with this tether and they stop they their stop suddenly. Yeah, suddenly like they'd be ripping limbs off of them doing that, I think, in real life. Like there was no give whatsoever. Yeah, but they got those harnesses, you know. Underneath Have you seen Ama Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah, uh, isn't that where uh, Gwen Stacy dies at the end when he stops that's her? That's the one, yep. yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spoiler alert, but yeah, that's kind of how it would have happened in real life. Yeah, it would have snapped your neck. Broken bones at least, that kind of impact. Sudden stop, that's the whole point of the falling being bad, it's the sudden stop at the end. Yeah, so I think that a lot of this goes back to Burton just kind of like having this aesthetic not so much on the action, not so much on the chase scenes, like when the Batmobile's driving around, it's got the rockets. It More doesn't stylized. seem like it's moving that fast. It seems kind of <laughs> moseying along. <laughs> Just happens to be on fire. Well, let's talk real quick about the uh, Batmobile self-driving technology because this is 1989. This is pre-Uber. 
This is pre-Google Cars. Stop. He says stop. Right, exactly. Stop. So he's he can't like, see the Batmobile. Right. So he's just like armored or like what is he like armored? Okay, unarmor and come to me or whatever. Well, it just starts driving, right? And people are jumping out of the way of this thing. But then finally it gets to him and he has to tell it to stop. So how, how it, does he know? How, how does he know? Like, how does it steer? How does Batmobile know where the road is? Does it just mm-hmm. have like a homing device on Batman that it like, like it tracks, okay, Batman's here and I have to drive all the way there. And if that's the case, I mean, roads aren't just one straight line. It's like a lot of different, like, uh, you know, just roads. So hey, don't wouldn't exist in roads, society. Okay. Yep. This is pre-GPS. They, they Batmobile. Yeah. Um, it could just should run over like, some old lady or some kid. I don't know. It seems like a health danger hazard. I don't think Batman should be doing I think this. They, How many innocent people could be in the way of that Batmobile? Like every time it, it like shows up and there's like 12 it. dead people clung to the bumper. It's like, it's got a Oops. cattle guard full of people. Uh, windshield's yeah, on. <laughs> he should have, I reckon for that part, they should have just had Alfred remote drive it from the cave. Yeah, there you go. There you go. A yeah, scary, little that's, a, thing. that's a Toy R Us toy toy. Batman arcade. Batman 89 arcade. Yeah, the Batman RC car. You know? Yeah, perfect idea. Pen- Penguin did it in Batman Returns right. in his little exactly. toy thing. Yeah. Perfect. Maybe that was one of the criticisms, and then they're like, "Oh, that's a good idea." All right. So, um, Shaheen, you want to you want to touch on any of the sequels, Batman Returns, a little bit? Um, I, I don't want to uh, really talk about Batman and Robin at all because that was a uh, pretty bad. Fair enough. What? Are you serious? Arnold's the best. Like, no. There was one thing else I wanted to touch about in this movie, and that's just the prevalence of corruption you can see, like, especially in Batman Returns as well. Not so much in Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. They kind of took a a big step away from the whole duck and like gritty shit. It became, oh, they made it a lot more camp. <clears throat> so it was nice to see, you know, like, especially in Batman Returns, like Christopher Walken and working with the mayor and trying to make Penguin mayor so he can have his own, like, power plant or whatever. And, like, yeah, just, and, like, Lieutenant Eckhart in this, the fat guy. Why he wasn't, I guess he, they couldn't have killed, uh, what's his name? Gordon. Bullock. Yeah, Bullock. They could, I guess they couldn't have killed Bullock, but they could just kill some random fat cop guy. Yeah. Thing is, I don't think we've we, we've never actually seen a film Bullock because we we've seen fat police officers like in Batman Begins as well, but they're always bad guys. Thing is, Bullock's actually a good guy, which I'm glad they didn't make any of these guys Bullock because I, I really like Bullock. I think he's a cool guy, but yeah, he's a great fat, character in the animated series for sure. Yeah, 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 very entertaining. Mm-hmm. He's like he's a bit of a dick, but a good dick. Yeah, no, he's he's a lot of fun. He's a good foil for Batman for sure. All right, but yeah, corruption is definitely part of the. Gotham City it always has been they played it up um it's they always play it up like the mob has you know the cops in their back pocket and they just kind of run the town I mean they kinda, do it's just they different... do it's just called a different thing though yeah and something else I did notice like this like Batman and Batman Returns the burn ones yeah they were a lot more dark, darker and grittier and they dealt with corruption a lot more whereas and they felt more like you know Jack Skeleton Corpse Bride film Whereas the Schumacher ones, like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, they felt like part of an opera pe- opera set piece like with all the different like flashy colors and like the nipples and like remember that scene like in Batman and Robin where they have a big statue like they just have random giant statues of muscular men around Gotham City. I don't. Um, re- I try. I've blocked most of that movie out of my mind, so I don't remember exactly. Yeah, pound me too. I, I don't really remember much of that one. But it's one of the movies you watch like to get drunk. It's like drunk, drink every time you cringe, and then you end up with liver failure. Mm-hmm. It's like Jack and Jill. 
Yeah, I, I think I if you were a young kid and you watched those movies, I think you would be much like people like the Batman or the, the the Star Wars prequels. If you watch them when you're five or six years old, I think you can get past some of those stupider things. But if you are old enough, they, they just get cringeworthy and just hard to watch. You know what I see, though? Unless is, you're is, properly lubricated. If you compare the Batman and Robin and um, what's the other one with Val Kilmer? Batman Forever? Forever. Yep. Those seem more similar to present day comic book films than the Burton ones. Like as far as legacy, well, like MCU stylized, Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. They seemed like a little bit precursor to the Marvel movies. Like the Marvel movies compare more similarly to those than the, these Burton ones. Like tonally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like kind of kiddish jokey, mm-hmm. nothing too mature really. Even and when they do have mature themes, it's kind of like a very watered down, abridged sort of thing. Like, Compare the oh, yeah. politics of, let's say, Civil Civil War to Batman v Superman. Like people say, oh, Civil War had lots of politics too. It just had Iron Man being a dick and joining the government, and Captain America saying no. And it was like, oh, you guys cause destruction. Government needs to regulate you. That was pretty much the whole, all the political stuff. Whereas Batman v Superman had that as well, like with the court hearings for Superman, like what Superman should do, as well as like just what xenophobia a powerful alien might feel if he's like the only alien living on Earth trying to come to acceptance with like who is he like whether he's human or not mm, that's so, also I just, I just in, like... uh, batman returns with penguin hmm. yeah penguin. feeling like an outcast and like he wants to know who he is what his humanity is where he comes although, from or that's although, have, have you seen you didn't you didn't see the whole thing i'm gonna give some spoilers he already knows who he is the whole the whole point of coming out and pretending to find out who he is is so he can access public rec- um birth records you can find all the kids, like all the firstborns of Gotham's wealthiest families. So you can kill, kill them, them all. With rockets yeah, because he strapped says, to penguins' backs. Penguins, exactly. <laughs> He's like, if he doesn't get to, you know, if he was out an outcast by his parents, then all these kids need to be killed as well. It's like an angry form of revenge on society. It also s- seems like it echoes uh, some biblical stories, right? Like when Cobblepots are put in, they, they put uh, the baby in the river. That's like the... Moses. Moses yeah. in the river thing, and then mm-hmm. killing all the firstborn. That was like born of Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you guys knew that was uh, Pee Wee Herman as the dad, right? In Batman Returns, Cobblepot. Actually, yeah, that sounds right. I I probably knew that at one point. It sounds familiar. Yeah, because uh, Burton, you know, he he brought Pee Wee Herman and he brought Michael Keaton to this to Batman. It's like he's got his uh, his yeah. own traveling group of friends who he's like Adam Sandler. He always puts his friends in his movies. Nothing wrong with that. As long as they do a good job. Hmm? Well, you know, Daniel, you haven't seen the the gem movie where Adam Sandler, that made a couple of people's movies list. Yeah. Uncut gems. We might need to see that at some point. Supposedly it's really good. Okay. I have not, I have not seen it, but, uh, Adam Sandler in a good movie. What? What? Apparently, apparently Adam Sandler's, um, manager didn't want him to do it because it's it, it it features adam sandler as a greedy jew and he's like oh you don't want you don't want to be playing a greedy jew which oh, is like, nice. fair enough but i don't know but apparently it's, it's yeah it's supposed to be really good i'm looking forward to seeing it. okay i have a whole slate of movies that um i have to watch just for the sake of watching them but because we do a show about movies i find watching more than the movie that we're gonna do and sometimes even that is too much <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean i still haven't finished parasite I started it and I'm almost done. I got like a half hour left. It's good, but I just haven't finished it. Yeah. Is, is it show worthy? I, I imagine it is just from the description and how uh, 
I saw a review on Gizmodo and they love it because it's all about wealth inequality and class and Oh yeah, there's plenty there's not yeah, plenty of stuff to talk about, not only from the movie, but from the people's analysis of it. All the people that seem to think that class is this horrific thing and rich people are all the worst and good people poor people are all the best and I don't mind movies that, you know, touch upon that stuff, like to show like, oh, some people live like this, some people live like that. Like, yeah, sure. But when they have that message of like this is wrong. It needs to be fixed by like, let's say do this or do that. That's when the problem yeah. comes in where it's like propaganda is, but like movies about like lower class people and difficulties of living like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, yeah, there's real life struggles that will exist in every society ever. Sure. But when you say that, Oh, all these rich people are bad and all these poor people are good. And now we need to get a fucking government to come and get take from them. Like that's when it gets like, Hey, fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the idea that, you can only get rich by exploiting others. And that's just, we make fun of that on this show all the time, but it's just ridiculous. Right. Another example is of course, uh, Jeff Bezos who associated with Amazon, which has made my life better, made many millions of people's lives better, uh, cheaper products delivered far easier than the older methods. Well, the left of course eats him because he's worth a billion plus dollars, 5 billion, 10 billion, whatever the number is, 60 billion, a hundred and something billion or whatever, but yeah, a quadrillion billion. But it doesn't matter what the number is. What matters is the left hates him no matter what he does. He just dedicated $10 billion to fighting climate change. And the left response to that is, you're a hypocrite because of all the packaging you use. We hate you still. So there's no appeasing these people at all. Yeah, yeah. And he bought like a house, a mansion. In California, like Hollywood, the biggest mansion ever for a big chunk of money. And they're like, it was only one-tenth of 1% of what he's worth. Okay. This, why is that bad? Like, so would it. you rather Good not get it then? And like, do, do these, I think a lot of people think when they find out someone's net worth is like that many million or billion, they they think they have that much money just either in cash or in the bank, just lying around. It's like, you know what assets are, right? You know what a business is, you know what revenue is, you know what reinvestment in your own business is. Either probably doesn't have as much you know, you would never have as much money in your bank as is your uh, your assets, unless you sell everything. Right. right. And, and if everyone decided that they hated Amazon and they wanted to stop using it tomorrow, he would be uh, poor again. It, yeah. But exactly. he provides a great service. His mostly his wealth is tied up with the power of his company and the the level to which everybody loves it and wants to use it. Yeah. Now tie this back into Batman just real quick. Um, there was a line in here I wrote down that it says the rich can afford to be odd. And I forget who oh, says it in the original one. Knock. Knock. He's the reporter. The, the reporter guy. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some uh, some pretty hot takes that were pretty SJW. <laughs> uh, and he had a hot one for. Uh, yeah, he Kim seemed Bezos. to be like the voice of the author. It seemed to be the screenwriter's yeah. voice in a lot of his comments. And he was one of those swoopers. Like he was always trying to like hit on Vicky Vale, but she wasn't interested and she kept putting him off. And he was talking mm-hmm. shit about Bruce Wayne, you know, trying to like yep. wedge in there. Didn't work. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, but to cock block Bruce. That's the way it goes. But uh, anyway, we should probably uh, wind this down. We've been going for uh, the length of the show already. So um, any final comments before we get into summary and review? And then uh, we'll get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which is bonus content available for our Patreon supporters at lastnight.com slash Patreon. Send us some dollars and we'll give you pre-show and post-show bonus content and other such goodies. I just wanted to mention that Selena Kyle just hashtag Selena Kyle didn't kill herself. You know, when oh, he pushes yeah. her down the window. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Much like Jeffrey Epstein. Exactly. And also one other thing, do I, am I the only one who finds it weird how like Selena Kyle is just some secretary or executive assistant or whatever. And then she goes from that 
falls out a window, goes insane, makes a cat suit out of leather, and now goes around beating the shit out of people, like, so easily. Like, I guess she has the claws now, but wouldn't make it that much easier to just walk around beating people up. She is a woman, Shaheen. How dare you? Questioning her oh, abilities? It's bigotry and sexism over here. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like, when, when I was watching the Bat- uh, Batman fight her, like, you see Batman's, like, kind of, like, whoa, like, you hit a woman. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, Batman's yeah. like, stop hiding that bird. Like, come on, Batman. He's <laughs> a was, criminal. Was a clever, of, uh, yeah. It's one of the benefits of the bat suit. That was a clever ruse on her part, you know? Use his chivalry against him. Yeah, yeah you and your dumb chivalry. Yeah. Punch her in the face. He did punch her in the face. Yeah, a couple times. Pump her in the threw, baby he, maker. He, he, he tried to fucking kill her. He, like, pushed mm-hmm. her off. Mm-hmm. She didn't fall in that truck. She'd be dead. Hey, and the kitty litter? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into final just summary like, review on, on this one. If you reject Batman, he just pushes you off a building. So don't reject Michael Keaton. <laughs> fucking nuts. He will kill you. That, that, that's why Vicky Vale's not in the in Batman Returns. She got pushed off a building too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did appreciate that they at least uh, made reference to her in Batman Returns, and he just basically said, "Oh, it mm-hmm. didn't work out." I mean, I can't imagine that a one night stand didn't work out, but you know, yeah. yeah. Damn it, Alfred. Alfred's a moron. Yep, <laughs> Alfred was wrong. Alfred was wrong. That that could be a hashtag. All right, Robert, you want to kick us off with a summary review? Maybe I will, Daniel. So you want me to review this movie and tell you about my final take is? Yeah, Batman, 89. And if you give it an 8.9 score, I'm going to disown you. There's no way in hell this movie is that good. I mean, I appreciate it and I I appreciate the idea, but this movie isn't even a seven. So maybe back in the day it was, but with my superhero colored glasses on, it's man, it just keeps falling every time something new and better comes out. I mean, not that the current crop of movies are super fantastic, expialidocious, but this movie, you know, at the time it was so good. Of course, I was only 13, but everything about it was really fantastic because we didn't expect, you know, this level of quality for a comic book character. I mean, today we expect billion dollar movies, massive blockbusters. But there was once upon a time when comic book movies were a joke. They were just stupid. Like the original Fantastic Four movie was just hilarious. The original Captain America movie, which they wouldn't even show. It's just a guy on a motorcycle just riding around beating people up. It's, these movies, such little money and effort and talent was put into these things that it's a miracle that we're where we are today. Maybe it takes like a guy like John Favreau and uh, Robert Downey Jr. to make Iron Man and kind of kickstart everything. But back in the day, we were kind of starved for good comic book movies. And this was one of the best of the bunch, especially with the Schumacher movies coming afterwards. It was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. The, bat- the, the Burton ones, these are way better than Keaton. Keaton is actually a damn good Bruce Wayne and he's a decent Batman, but he's a damn good Bruce Wayne. So he's definitely preferred to Clooney. Just obviously um but on its own merits it's it's so i i can't i, I just can't i can't judge this on its own merits it, it it's a part of a universe and it's a part of the world we live in so on a sliding scale of comic book movies this just keeps falling down the list of the best ones especially after you know getting such great performances from all the people that we've had and probably hopefully with pattinson going forward i mean i don't know who the villains are going to be in that new movie but Hopefully somebody good, of course. So I, I'm going to have to give this a, a six point no wave. Six point nine. It's not quite a seven. And if you ask me to watch this movie again in 10 years, it's probably going to be even lower. But it's still it's still a positive movie. Still what it is. It's got a certain charm, certain uh, aesthetic to it that is unique 
to, you know, a Burton film. And if you really like Burton and his vision of how to tell a story, then I think you'll really enjoy this. But um, it has definitely showed its age. Although Keaton still is strong, for sure. And Nicholson's performance is still decent, but it's nothing you're going to find a whole lot of nuance that I, I don't think he really plays up a very humanized character. I think he plays a, whereas today's actors are really approaching it more from a fully fleshed out realizing character that just happens to have like these super as opposed to a two dimensional comic book wacky character. So 6.9. All right. 6.9. That's pretty good. Uh, I think that you're right. It's going to probably lose another point per decade. So in 10 years, if we, are still doing this when we're even older men than we are now. It might be a 5.9. But uh, I, too, remember this as a child watching this. Um, I went to the movie theater with my cousins. My uncle uh, paid for us all to go, and it blew us away at the time. And I think due to the dearth of good comic book movies back at that period, I mean, Superman's were pretty good. But other than that, yeah, most of it was just a crap fest. And having uh, this movie and having it be so dark, I think it did usher in a new era. But um perhaps it also killed that era with the subsequent um batman and robin with the schwarzenegger and clooney and the bat nipples uh and perhaps you're right that iron man was what really brought it back to being mainstream fair but for the most part you know this this was iconic it also was one of the big um consumer tie-ins you saw the bat symbol everywhere like everywhere products tv shows commercials every restaurant uh, all the bat toys. It was probably the biggest thing in um, merchandising since Star Wars. Um, and so culturally, I think it has a, a pretty big role to play, though it does get dated by the moment. I mean, it, it really looks old. It looks of the period. It's it's definitely got that Burton-esque feel to it. The music from Elfman is great, and the music from Prince is out of place. Uh, so, so much so that our Batman man just ignores it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I'm going to go lower than a 6.9. I'm going to go with a six on this. Um, it's, it's, it goes down as a historical moment as far as film, but I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's an important movie and it did lead a resurgence back into this realm and, and bringing out this type of, uh, this, this genre back to the fore. Yeah. It's a better milestone movie than, uh, itself. I would agree. Like whatever memories you have of it, keep those cherish <laughs> don't go back you can never go back all right shaheen let's go to you for your for your takedown and uh, your score all right well i also watched this movie, movie when i was a kid as well like probably like 11 12 ish um which does seem pretty old I mean, it came out so long before but like i only really got into batman at, at like uh, preteen years um I think it's, I enjoy the movie. I mean, I love Tim Burton's, you know, gothic takes on things and his, his animated films as well as this. So when I think of it as a Tim Burton movie, not as just a normal movie, like I find it more enjoyable. And there's just something about Michael Keaton's like Bruce Wayne and Batman that I just like the personality of. And it's just, I guess, classic's the word, the word I'm really looking for. It's a very, it's classic, but in a unique way, like in a unique way as in, it gave Joker an actual name and backstory, which usually in DC, like comics and like Dark Knight and stuff, is not canon. He, you, we don't know what he, what his past is. They made like they, he also changed Penguin, like made him Catwoman as well. So instead of Catwoman being some rich thief, she just goes some becomes a crazy uh, secretary who's trying trying to kill her boss. And Penguin is just like a abandoned like freak show, whereas he's meant to be like deformed still, but part of a wealthy crime family. So he did change some things around, but it still has that classic feel to it. It's the closest, I'd say, 
movie we get to a classic, like out of the comics Batman take. Like Dark Knight features a far more realistic take on characters. The I guess either this or the early DCEU would have been the most like based off the comics ish type of thing. I enjoyed the plot as well. It wasn't that hard and it wasn't very philosophical. Like you can just watch it once and pretty much get everything. No need to watch again or analyze the plot after you're done. During the whole mind map. Oof. Honestly, I'd say like I can see that it's dated, but I I like to judge it for what it was when it came out. So either I can uh, give it probably a 7.5. Surprise, surprise, I'm a Batman guy. going to rate it fairly highly. But yeah, say 7.5. All right. So so almost the uh, the black and gold, if we go way back in our historical records of how we used to rate things around here. Uh, so Shaheen, thank you for bringing this one up. Thank you for being our Batman guy. We do enjoy having you on. And of course, this was a movie that kind of kicked it all off. It brought us Dark Knight. It brought us Heath Ledger. It brought us even Joker. Uh, so it brought us a lot of really great content and great performances since. And so for that, I, I think in the historical context, this is an important film for the genre. And I, I am glad they got made. So yeah, without the massive runaway success of this film, we wouldn't have had, for better or for worse, those movies in the 90s, but then also probably what we enjoy today, if you would enjoy the movies. And I think most. Yeah, so it's a bit of a, a stepping stone. So, uh, Gene, we, we'd love to have you back again in the future. Um, I'm sure there's other Batman stories that we can go over with you or anything else in the DCU or elsewhere, because um, you've always got something interesting to say and, and a good take. And we enjoy talking with you. Uh, so we'll, of course, have all of your previous appearances on our show notes page at lastnighters.com slash 112 and links to your Twitter and uh, also some of your articles on um, some websites that uh, that we know you write for. So we'll have all that out there. Um, and Robert, uh, where can people get all those wonderful toys that we offer for um, you know good things that they do for us? I believe it's uh, lastnighters.com slash Patreon. Is that, is that it, Daniel? You can also go to trepster.com, buy some t-shirts. You could go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can do any number of things. You could join our Facebook group. The uh, actual Anarchy Cadre. You can do yeah, all that's those a things. Bonus. Many, many that's a bonus for Patreon people. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one thing, I, I keep meaning to mention this on our shows, uh, because we made a switch probably two months ago now to where now our YouTubes are not just the uh, thumbnail art the whole time with audio. Now it's us, our heads, our faces, talking, our guests, everything. It's live action. So if you're only mm-hmm. a listener of the show, audioly, um, Make note of this change and you can subscribe on uh, YouTube and watch us. You can see what we look like. You can put uh, a face to the voice, the voices that are grating and, and bothering you and, um, you know, ruining you your life. Listen to the current all the time. And it sounds like two guys agreeing with each other all the time. Well, there actually are two of us. And you can actually, this is the kind of is evidence of that. Right. Well, now three, because we've got our guests. We usually do have a guest. We, we did go through a phase of uh, no guests for a while. Because um, I don't know, some everyone goes through phases, Daniel. It's just part of life. Yeah. So much like the Batman series, the film series has gone through many phases. But uh, is there a Schumacher phase? Yeah, unfortunately. We, are we going to have a nipple phase? We might really oh, nice. prominently feature those nipples. Yeah, we'll do it right here. I'll, I'll definitely come in for that. <laughs> All right. For that. All right. Maybe Pattinson will have some nipples. We'll see. But the, uh, the new image has been leaked of him in the suit. He looks different for sure. Okay. You have to check that out. Maybe they'll uh, release the Snyder Cut at some point. We'll see some Hopefully. Affleck bat nipples. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, uh, this has been our episode on Batman 89, a little bit on Batman Returns. 
This can be found on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction, and also at lastnightirs.com slash 112. Our guest has been Shaheen, and we'll be back next week talking about Contagion, which is a worldwide pandemic that just spreads like wildfire, and the uh, response to that. Uh, this might be somewhat relevant due to the uh, scare that's going on with the coronavirus, and we're going to have Mr. and Mrs. Raylene Lightheart on for that discussion next week. Uh, catch it next week, pun intended. Any final words for our audience, Robert? <laughs> Before no. I, I do no, any more stay dance, safe, don't get sick, live, stay inside, wear those little masks, and live to listen to another episode. Don't don't be a hero. Don't be a Batman going out there and catching all the coronaviruses, having sex with the random Vicky Vales. Or blowing up access you could, yeah. I mean, it's maybe, maybe it's just don't let Alfred bring her into the cave. Just don't tell Alfred about her, really. Yeah, Alfred, you're fired. All right, good night, everyone. Good night from last night. days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.